together with American Songwriter, we had the opportunity to talk to Greg of the Mother Hips over Zoom video. This year, the Mother Hips are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a band. So Greg was kind enough to kind of walk us through the entire uh, Mother Hips catalog. He talked about growing up in Marin County, going to school at Chico, and that's kind of where the band originally formed. He discussed getting signed to American Records, doing some huge touring, being on the road like pretty much all year, every year for a number of years, being home for like a week or so in, in the meantime. And when he's home for those weeks of recording a record and he discusses the ins and outs and the highlights of pretty much every Mother Hips album that, that has come out. And what's really cool is this year they're pressing a vinyl each month for every album that they've released. And the first five Mother Hips records were never released on vinyl. So people are going to be able to get these albums that have never been pressed on vinyl before, especially for you massive Mother Hips fans. That's that's huge. He told us about a new record the band's been working on and kind of how listening to the old albums and the test pressings of these, these records they're re-releasing kind of gave him and, and Tim some fresh uh, looks at those albums almost and grab some inspiration for this brand new record they plan to release in December kind of as the full circle 30-year moment and have it ready for their their huge Christmas party they do every year, which is going to be amazing. Greg also talks about his solo record and the new songs he has coming out uh, for that as well. And you can watch our interview with Greg and myself on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with the mother hips. So this podcast is all about you and your journey in music. Um, we'll talk about the mother hips and how you got to where you are today. Oh, cool. Right on. Well, um, did read the band is uh, formed in Chico. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 Chico State, the college up there in oh, Northern sure. California. Yeah, cool. I'm from San Diego originally. I know quite a bit about <laughs> yeah. the California area. I lived in San Francisco for five years or so as well. So, right oh, on. I, originally, I'm. I mean, Chico's a college town. Was that where you were born and raised? No, no. I'm actually. Okay. I was born in San Francisco, and okay. um, I was lived most of my time in Marin County. Okay. And then went to, from there, I went to Chico State. That's where I met Tim and we started the band up there. And I'm actually living, I'm in Marin County right now as we speak. Oh, cool. Right on. But, so just north yeah. north of San Francisco over the bridge. Yeah. There. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. Um, so, well, talk to me about where you grew up. Like how did, I mean, obviously there's huge music scene in San Francisco. Were you able to come into the city quite a bit to, to see shows or? Yeah, I, I would, um, I guess when I first started seeing live music was early on with my dad. He would take me to concerts when I was little. I went to my first concert when I was nine or 10. I went to a day on the green. I don't know if you ever heard about those. It's like a festival. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it was in 1980. Okay. Yeah. And um, is that like the one that Zeppelin played or something? Zeppelin did one in 78. Or like the stage caught on fire. Like, wasn't there some crazy event that happened there? I don't know if it was with Zeppelin. Yeah, there. I don't know if there was. If that was the time where their crew beat up Bill Graham's crew or yeah, something like that. I'd have yeah. to ask my friend Dean Del Rey, who knows <laughs> okay. every single thing about Zeppelin and about Day on the Greens. But okay. I went to one. It was um, Blue Oyster Cult. Was playing. oh rad. Yeah, and uh, Sammy Hagar. Okay. And uh, Triumph. You know, there I just you want, I was just, I had a, a, a live EP of Blue Oyster Cult with, um, they, they were, Godzilla was the song, you know, one of the songs and uh, Don't Fear the Reaper, of course. Sure. And then uh, um, Kick Out the Jams, they covered the MC5 song. Wow. And, so, and I just remember not, not knowing anything about it. It had a cool picture of like, uh, the album was called Some Enchanted Evening. I think there was like a Grim, Grim Reaper on the cover or something. And it was, I was just a kid, you know, went down to this, like, that looks really cool. And, and then they came in concert and asked my dad if I could go. So anyway, that's how I started. Um, I started seeing live big shows, you know, at sure. an early age, but yeah, when I became, 
I remember going to the uh, the on Broadway and and down on off Columbus or off well, Broadway, but also like in the um, in it was a punk club club, and I saw um, who did I see? Uh, Agent Orange was on the bill. Oh yeah, okay. I know that. So those are the. So I'm trying to think of some of the first times I would like travel to the city to go see some music and. Uh, Christ on Parade. That was that was another the Rhythm Pigs. Yeah, and it was that was okay. pretty good. But yeah, I would travel in. I'd, I'd go to, into the city, take the bus into the city lot to to either go see music or skateboard. A lot of good skateboarding spots in San oh, Francisco. Yeah. So we used to go in Huge and scene, huh? spend the day cruising around. Yeah, it's unfortunate they got rid of a lot of those spots, like the skateboard I, spots on the pier and stuff. Like yeah, when I, I know, finally but, when I moved there, it was like in two thousand. 10 or so yeah they had already yeah all those spots were gone <laughs> yeah yeah and then you know you find new spots sure <laughs> but that's that's way way in my past you know right 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 i remember well, being on the being on the road with the mother hips probably when i was in my early late 20s early 30s and my my friend that was crewing with us had a skateboard and i started skating yeah it was probably 31 32 33 and uh started skating again oh and, cool um, and it was fun i was like oh yeah i love doing this and we would there you know it's a great thing to do when you're on the road in between sound checks or just sure. there's all kinds of little things to find and then we we went to a skate park one day and you know, i was getting a little more pushing myself a little more and i don't think i was wearing any pads or something and i kind of fell and my arm went out and i i, ro- I you know it was it was i realized i was slower in my in my like my time to react yeah, reflexes and i was like if i if i break my hand or my arm i'm i'm out of job so i just sort right. i just started taking pictures of him while he skated i was like <laughs> i do very mellow stuff i was like hang up the board trying to do why yeah. am i trying to do this right now and of course you know i have i have friends that that are still you know that are my age that are still going for it so sure that's funny you say that because um i was uh it was the, on my anniversary a couple of years ago, I took my two kids to the skate park because they're starting to get into skateboarding. And mm-hmm. I was trying to like, you know, be flashy and show off. I sprained my ankle yeah, <laughs> like see? so bad. And it's I was classic. like, well, that just kind of ruined two months of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dad, um, dad move. Yeah, totally. Total dad move. Um, <laughs> well, uh, prior to the shows and stuff, like how did you get in music? When did you start playing guitar? Um, I took my, speaking of injuries, I took my first guitar lesson when I was about 10 years old. I saw that those shows, I'm like, I got to learn how to play guitar. And then, and then shortly after I was rent, my mom rented me a guitar. Um, it was a replica SG. I oh, wish wow. I still had it. I sold it at the Marin flea market when I wanted concert tickets to go see the police, uh, <laughs> a couple of years later. And, um, and so solid trade though. It was, it was a solid, tra- well, yeah, I guess <laughs> okay. it was a great show. Was, that show was a good one too. Oingo Boingo and madness. And it was like, oh, an eight, cool. you know, totally. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, um, I was start, I took my first lesson. I went and rode my bike the next day and I was trying to do like super tight circles on my bike. Cause I thought that was really funny. And I broke my pinky. And so I fell down and sprint, you know, bent my pinky back and broke it pretty bad. So I was out for about a year. So about when I was 11, I guess I started taking guitar pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of died out a little bit. And then back when I got into high school in my sophomore year, I started taking some lessons again, but I was never much of a, I wasn't a very good student at anything. Um, <laughs> I, I just, did, I just wanted to do it my own way, which is still kind of the same. Sure. going but uh yeah so and then started to play uh, with some of my good friends in garage bands you know just practicing in in uh in garages in high school but yeah it wasn't until i got to chico and i met isaac parsons who was the first bass player of the mother hips and tim mm-hmm. to where i was like oh yeah okay like I, I wasn't really set on being in a rock band when i got into i definitely was going to be playing music but i wasn't i didn't really have a, have a clear vision of what I wanted to do. Sure. But, yeah, Did you go start. to Chico for music or just, uh, no, no, I, I ended up studying, um, English there. Oh, creative okay. writing. And yeah. 
Right on. And then so once the band goes, do you all kind of you finish school there before things start, you know, popping off at the band? No, or? we all we all sort of systematically drop out um, at different varying points. I was the last man standing and I had one year left, but we were, you know, we were getting called. We were going to be rich and famous. So it was obvious. Um, we had you know, we started getting courted by major labels and wow there was a consensus of like well we, we're not going to need to finish school anyway so let's just go and we started touring so okay. um you know i i was kind of holding out but then um uh we we just hit the road and then we started meeting with all the you know the majors the, the majors and then it went from there we got signed and all that well, tell me about that. So you you guys put out that first record, Back to the Grotto, and that was done. Tell me about putting that album out, and then is that what gained the attention of like MCA yeah for sure and stuff? I mean, yeah, we had, we had started touring, playing a lot in Chico, and then we started creeping out of the area a little bit. I think while we were recording that record, and once we had our little cassette out. Of, it was just a four, four songs from that album. It started, even that started getting us a little bit of more outside recognition. It's so funny how a cassette tape, yeah. you know, get, can just get that. Now Pass it's like, around. Hey, I'm going to send, I'm going to send you the song. You can listen to it right now. It's like, right. Hey, I, I mailed you this cassette. It's going to get there in a week. You should listen to it and then <laughs> dub it or something yeah, and just, pass it yeah. to a friend or something. And, sure. Um, if it makes and, it there, you know, yeah, I mean? <laughs> if, it makes it there. If, I, if I wrote down the right address <laughs> right. Um, and so Put enough stamps on it, but once we had the cassette and CDs of back to the grotto and that album was out, that was like, you know, a man manager started asking and wanted to work with us. And then the labels, it, it, it was really, um, you know, there was the, the whole, I can't remember the the terminology that they'd used back then, but there was a, a but we were a, a buzz. buzz band. Yeah, we were a buzz band. And so that was exciting. Yeah. Well, with that record, like, do you remember like the show's getting bigger? Is that or was it all just based off of sending that demo out or not the demo? No, the no. By, by the out. time by the time we had that record out, the shows in Chico were all huge and selling out or any anywhere in the region and San Francisco was starting to do better. I think we might've been down to San Luis Obispo. I don't think we'd gone, gone to San Diego yet, but that was soon to come. And we started as soon as even, I guess, actually, even before we were signed, we actually were touring quite a bit all through California. And I think we were even going out to Colorado. We'd done one, we did a, a, a journey, um, our first uh, cross country journey for basically for one show. It was a show at CBGB's and it was, oh, um, damn. it was one of the college, um, music, whatever CM, CMJ is what it was. And it was a showcase. And so we were, we played for, it was one of our first showcases. We drove all the way out there for the one show. Wow. What else? Well, I mean, obviously to play a, a venue like CBGB's, I guess it's, yeah. you know, it's worth it. It's like, why not? We're going to go oh, do yeah. it. You know, yeah, we walk in to load in, and we were one of the first. We were, I think, we got there early that morning at like five in the morning. We pulled in or something, we were just parked out there waiting for them to open. And they opened at like 11, which probably they normally don't, but it was uh, a showcase, showcase day. Yeah. We were some of the first people to walk in, and there was just a pile of dog shit in the middle of, <laughs> of the floor. Like, All right, You're like, of here. course, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. this old punk club, you know, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Wow. Um, was that prior to signing the deal or is, is that kind yeah, of what got yeah, you yeah. in front of, um, of the majors a little bit? More? That was, I think that was one of the things that definitely got the, uh, you know, the, the stuff going. So, so, yeah. Okay. So then you put out a uh, part-timer goes full. That's your first like major label release. Um, yes. But what MCA had done a, a, a re remix, um, some of the songs were remixed for back to the grotto. Okay. And that was before we signed, we sort we were in a deal with them. We were going to do a deal. We did this, this, this one deal to, for them to put out back to the grotto. Um, and maybe American did that. I feel like MCA was in charge of it, but it must've been American actually. Um, and yeah, we got signed and then we went into the studio to Coast Recorders in San Francisco and started working on Part-Time Full. And 
and we're touring. By that time, we were doing over two two fifty a wow. year shows. Yeah, Whoa. like one one year we it was. I mean the 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 days on the road were longer than that. That was just actual shows, you know. Oh so we'd be gosh. home for maybe a week or something. Wow. Do you remember like you know you know obviously signing that contract and calling your your dad or you know he's the one that took you to that first show and being like hey you know this major label is super interested in us like that must have been huge yeah actually recently our good friend who was a tour manager and and hung out with us all the time in chico adam tuttle i take has a bunch of great pictures from way back before you know and there's a picture of us all on our lawn in chico holding the american contract wow yeah that's awesome. And aside from you know, remixing the record and putting it out, um, did they, what was the first thing that kind of happened when American signed you? That kind of happened almost, it wasn't before, but like that was, it was like happening during that time. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we. Did you get like an opening we, slot on like a big tour or something? We, well, yeah, we did the Horde tour. It was one of the first things that happened. So the Horde, do you know what the Horde tour was? No, I don't or, remember. Horde tour, I think Blues Traveler had put it together, but it was one of okay. the first, you know, it was a traveling festival. So it was Blues Travelers, I think had started it, but the Black Crows were headlining. Oh, and, that's a, and that's the whole reason we signed with American was because of Chris. Oh, and, is um, that right? Yeah. And, um, and then. It wasn't because of Slayer. Yeah, and Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash, <laughs> we, we got to meet Johnny Cash and he told us we should sign. So that was probably really the reason. We oh my gosh. American. Tell me that story. How'd you meet Johnny Cash? He, uh, it was at South by Southwest. We were out there and um, um, the um, A&R guy that we were uh, talking, talking with um, at American, uh, Robbie Casino, he, uh, Johnny Cash's, record had just come out the American recordings or whatever it was. It was like that, that come back just him in a cabin with Rick Rubin. And, um, he was playing at emos and it was a big deal. And, yeah. Austin. and, and so, yeah, in Austin at, during South by Southwest. And so he, they, Robbie took us to that show and he's like, you guys want to meet Johnny Cash after the show and, or before I can't remember. And so we went back there there's pictures of that too. It's so funny. And, um, and we asked him like, what do you think of American recordings? And he was like, it's a good label. You you guys should sign. So, wow. (laughs) That's incredible. And that was, yeah, (laughs) I was joking about Slayer. That that was the first time I ever, I was, I like Slayer too. But it was funny because that was the first time I ever saw the the American logo. And I was kind of confused because it's like the, the flag's upside down, right? On the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I thought like Slayer just did that. I mean, I was in like middle school and I got into them because of skate videos, going back to the skateboarding yeah. thing. And I remember buying the record and I was like, oh, American Recordings. And I'm like, oh, the flag's upside down. I'm like, that's like such a Slayer thing to do. And then I didn't realize until like I started really getting into music more and noticing who was signed to what label. And I'm like, oh, that's just their, <laughs> that's just their logo. Yeah, that's the logo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So, okay, well, talk to me about, so... You put out part-time, part-timer goes full it, mm-hmm. like in the midst of like, I mean, it sounds like you're on the road, like a lot, like how, yeah, yeah. where do you get the time to write the songs and, and go in there? And was it more pressure going in knowing like, okay, now we have this major label kind of behind us. It was more pressure, but it also kind of ramped up our like, like cockiness of like doing it ourselves. Like we, we brought in, uh, Paul Hoagland, who produced um, Back to the Grotto, to to do that, he he had like they wanted us to use like a bit like a name person, and we were bringing in someone who was basically just our our buddy, buddy. Who, who we love. You know, he's a great recordist and a big part of the the sound back then, and um and ended up being in the band for a while, playing bass in the early two thousands, and um so yeah we we were doing that. We, we didn't really communicate with Rick Rubin very much. He sent some notes and stuff, but we were just kind of on our own at coast recorders. We, you know, we booked the time and, and then, it's, and then, yeah, I think we booked, you know, blocked out two weeks for the tracking and overdubbing 
and then went went back in and did the mixing a little bit later, but it didn't, you know, it was probably took under a year for it to, to be recorded and then come out. And um, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was great to be in, you know, such a big studio, you know, it's funny that we just knew nothing about recording or or we were so young, you know, Yeah, think about back then, like (laughs) being in there now, I just, Oh my God. But there was also that, fact that we didn't know so we were just that was a big part of our sound too Uh is that you made us so creative back then is that we were just doing whatever we we were none of us were schooled in in music and uh, engineering recording we were just making sounds and we had a time we i think we tracked like 16 songs Wow. And we had just, we had those all in our catalog. So all that stuff we were playing live. So we just went in there and, you know, did two or three takes of each one. And, and it was, it was the basics were really quick. Wow. And well, mm-hmm. with that, with that second record, was it continual touring? I mean, were you on the road that much on that next album? Oh yeah. 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 We were on the road from even more, Oh, especially wow. when that, when that record came out, we did that horde tour, horde tour, Oh, that was, so was horror the, tour was that was with that second album. I think, yeah, I think that I think it actually we started right when that record came out, or maybe it was right when I like one of the first singles came out and the record wasn't out yet, but it was right around that time. There was the Crows and Blues Traveler, Ziggy Marley. Oh wow. Um, and we were on the side stage and we were playing. That's where we met Wilco when we became friends. They were pretty new at that time and we became uh-huh. friends with them and they took us out after that we went and toured the south with them and wow. and um and yeah so that was it was a lot a lot of touring that's all we did pretty much sure sure i know it, you i know this has been like a you know you're celebrating 30 years as a as a band i mean that's yep. pretty impressive and just the catalog and the longevity uh, of the band i would love to hear like like about you know maybe like a little milestone about the record each record if you have time like like shootout what would you say like the big takeaway from that was um i guess the first thing i think about is that that was a record we tracked and we were over in um berkeley at fantasy studios and we the band was in there and we did all you know the main tracking in the rooms and um but then it was Gideon Zaretsky who's in the engineer and then Neil King who was producing and um Neil had been the engineer on on part-time or go school worked oh, with okay. Green Green Day and um a bunch of other bands oh. uh, Nick Lowe and um uh Dave Edmonds and stuff and um and so once the band was gone, it was just Tim and I doing all these overdubs, a lot of singing and a lot of cre- And so that was a really, I remember that was a, one of the first times that since the recording of part-timer and then all the touring that we just sort of got back in, like into this little zone of nothing else was mattering. We had time off from the road, which was, you know, now you th- it was probably two weeks you know, but then <laughs> it seemed like, it's, it's, yeah, it seemed like, you know, that was the longest we hadn't played a show in a long time, you know? Wow. And so, um, yeah, I remember that. I remember it being our, the amount of playing and the writing we were doing and the, our abilities were just getting more honed. We were sort of moving from this off the cuff, like, oh, we're just going to do whatever we're going to do to really right. sort of de- like designing the recordings a little more. I think we got more into the, that aspect and um, we were learning more about how to be in a studio. And sure. I think it shows that record record. Um, a lot of people really like that record a lot. And mm-hmm. I, I, I still like that one too. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And would, were the shows getting bigger as the, as you know, your, your, your career progressed? I mean, you went from, that one tour mm-hmm. but like when were you what like what album do you remember like when you guys were like headlining and and doing like full full tours as like the the major act yeah i mean in during part-timer okay as well so like 90 90 or late 94 95 and certainly when like shootout came out i think in 96 so up through that time you know we were we were 
we didn't do that many opening slot things. And we did oh, okay. early on 93 and 94. We did a run with widespread panic. Um, we, we were on a bunch of festival things, you know, here and there festivals were kind of different back then, but we were definitely playing some interesting shows. Okay. Um, but mostly we would always just do our own shows and we'd have, we had a lot of friends that we, um, would have open for us that, that, um, you know, we like that we liked as right. people too, that we'd hang out and jam and sing songs with. So we, we kind of like to create that on the road, bringing people that we wanted to hang out with. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, what about, okay. And then the next record you guys did was later days, same, similar. Were you guys, no, I mean, no later days was different, very different because we, a, we had a new drummer. Okay. John, John Hofer joins the band. Um, the label basically dissolved. We got dropped, but they, they basically dissolved the whole label. Um, so we were on our own and our managers quit. Um, and we recorded it at actually in the liner notes of the, of the vinyl um, that just came out that ju I just got at, uh, delivered to my house. Actually, it was really great to see that one on, on vinyl. And um, oh, did you like you, you guys repress it or we've like, yeah all every every record in our catalog for the 30th year anniversary is getting repressed. Uh, oh, that's amazing. Actually, I should say reissued. The first five records were never on vinyl. Yeah. So uh -huh. Blue Rose uh, Blue Rose Music's our label, and they uh -huh. the owner Joe Paletto. Um, I was talking with them last summer. And we were talking about how we're not going to be able to do shows for the 30th. And he was, he was like, let's, let's just release everything on vinyl. That's so cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like don't twist my arm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, really special opportunity. And so, yeah, they've been arriving one per month. Grotto came in January, part-timer came in uh, and they're selling out because you know, the pressings aren't huge. They were limited pressings, but yeah. hopefully they'll, they'll be repressing. Um, but later days just showed up and there's a wow. quote from John, the drummer that's in there that I, I don't have, but it's, it sort of sums up the whole, the whole experience because that was a time when I had just recently, Tim and I actually the whole band, um, John had just joined. So he wasn't kind of in, in where we were, but we had recently got sober. Um, okay. you think we were living really hard at that point and, um, and we didn't have any money. We didn't have any label or management and our friend, Jason Hiller, he had, had a back pool house at his parents, nice house in Beverly Hills. And he, and he had a, um, like a 16 track, um, half inch machine and Tape, some gear. Yeah. And so we went in there and recorded that record. And, um, as he, as John puts it in the liner notes, it was almost like we had to get in and out before anybody saw us. So it was just, <laughs> and, uh, but it's great. I mean, it's a really great album. I think some of Tim's best songs are on there that um, some of my favorite ones of his are on there and some nice collaborations that he and I did mm -hmm. uh, mu musically. And, and then having John in, in the mix was a, a whole different trip. Very, you know, that, that's sort of, it's more of like a country rock album. If you, if you, you know, it's, yeah. it's a rock and roll album, but we, you know, we've always been influenced by, by, country rock and, sure. and and country you know and Merle Haggard and mm -hmm. Willie Willie Nelson and everybody um so yeah that was that record wow and then yeah. so was it difficult like i mean that must have been a kind of a downer moment losing the label and and all of that but i mean obviously you made something of it and and put out a, yeah. a, an amazing album and from that record, you guys ended up getting signed again, though. To, is Future Farmer, like to Future Farmer Recordings, who put out the next one, right? Yeah. So Future Farmer, our, our buddies Jackpot were on that label. That's actually M. Ward put out his first record on that label. Um, and we met Dennis, and he was interested in, in, in doing that. that um, but he was a really small label. Uh -huh. You know, I think we made the record and he just let, you know, he licensed it from us. So we, we weren't getting any like tour support or anything. Um, was, it, was it hard to book towards at that point or not? 
as much because you had already been in the industry for a long time. No, we had the thing, the, one of the great things. And I think it still is part of why we have the fan base we have today is the, the fact that we toured so hard during from like 92 to well, even to like 2000, but you know, up through that point, when we got to that point where of later days, like we had developed such a, a good fan base Mm-hmm. You know, we there, there were some people we lost because they were just on to the next thing. But this core fan base that really fell in love with the music is what sustained us all these years, you know, and and the different offshoots of people really falling in love with the band rather than just it being another thing, you know, sure. hardcore fans. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, that that was that was a huge part of what sustained us through the later days period when we were on our own. And we really liked that. You know, and 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 Future Farmer was was a, a cool label, and that and and the release of that record actually garnered a lot more, um, got us a little more. We, we were getting pigeonholed into like a jam band thing, which we weren't. We never really thought of ourselves as a jam band, but uh-huh. we, we would played festivals like that, and we certainly would take liberties and in a few songs during the night, especially back then. We did pretty long shows and. And um, <clears throat> we did a lot of space rock stuff. It wasn't so much like we, we weren't like shredders, you know, um, sure. but we, we just, you know, go to different places and use echoplexes to make weird sounds and stuff, um, <laughs> <clears throat> which we still pretty much do um, sometimes. And let's see, where was I? Yeah. The, lots of touring. Okay. Lots of um- touring. I'm curious with, with the vinyl reissues. So you, is it's going to go month to month. So we're currently at, you said later days, right? Yeah. And then that the record we were just talking about green Hills of earth. Well, was that an album that ever came out on vinyl? And will that be the, you know, the Uh, yeah. May release. That'll come out in May. It's never been on vinyl. So the first five, that's the fifth record. Um, none of those had ever been on vinyl. So these are all, <clears throat> these ones have gone really fast because none of the fans had ever got those on vinyl. And the sure. other thing I was going to say about Green Hills of Earth and Dennis is it did get us into a, a viewing like some of the, the more indie, uh, everybody can be a snob, so I don't mean that, but more <laughs> of the sort of like, we don't like jam bands or something like that. They were like, oh no, these guys are, this is a cool band. We sort of got, I don't know like, how to explain like it. Like credibility mo- from those. Yeah, mo- Mojo started writing about us, and Pitchfork even gave us a, a oh, good review wow. at one point. You know, that, that's that that'll be a one-time thing, I think. But um, <laughs> uh, I think that was for just the Crystal Flake, maybe the next record. But yeah, there's sort of a, a different. The world was changing anyway, the, as far as music, and and it was cool because early 2000s, a lot of music changed to be more suitable to what because when when grunge was big and we were doing stuff we were listening to buffalo springfield and 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 can and all this stuff that like it just didn't didn't connect with um we couldn't connect with the grunge thing because we were doing this more of it was coming from our, our influences are coming from a different place i mean you know Pearl Jam was certainly listening to a lot of Neil Young and so were we, but we were sort of listening to different albums. Maybe. I don't know. Sure. Sure. <laughs> and then after, well, then when the kiss of crystal flake came out, that's when the, like the whole pop punk scene and like the, the, that really pop boy band thing was kind of a hot item or, yeah. or that kind of like, well, that was actually more of the early two thousands. Yeah. But- so kiss of crystal flake came out in 2007 and that was on camera records. And so camera did crystal flake and, uh, Pacific Dust, and we did the Red Tandy EP with with John Salter, who ran Camera Record. Uh, yeah, Camera, and um, he's the he runs ATO. Oh, okay. Label. Yeah, and he's a good friend and a, a fan, and, and for a long time. And so he, we we had taken that hiatus after Green Hills of Earth record, and when we came back to it, um, John was um, eager to to help us out and wanted to make records with us. So we did those records with him. Yeah. So after that, that was right after the hiatus. I mean, and that one has your most streamed song, at least like if you look oh, at yeah. Spotify, I mean, time we had, like, tell me about that. That must've been pretty cool to come back 
after this hiatus and then put out a record that has, you know, one of your biggest songs on it. We, I mean, we didn't even really know. Cause then I don't even know Spotify. I don't know when Spotify came out, but I didn't, yeah, I don't I, think I, it was a thing yet, but um, we had gotten on the reason that song is uh, one of the, or the biggest one is because it was on rock band, the video game. Oh, really? What, what, mm-hmm. what, which, which, uh, very, I think it was like the version. first iteration. Yeah. I think it was the first one. Okay. I'd have to, and then, that's dope. I, I mean, I had yeah. those games as a kid. I just, I, I don't really remember it too much because we would just play yeah. it all, you know, partying or whatever. Yeah. And then people, <laughs> kids would put up on YouTube, them playing along to the song and those got tons of streams. And then I, we didn't even really realize that song was doing good until I talked to John Salter like years after it. He's like, you know, because he's trying to recoup his money. He's like, oh, by the way, we're like, you know, I think we probably recouped the record now. We might actually make a little money, which a little money was actually a little money, but was certainly not complaining. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, he's like, yeah, this is the on, on iTunes. This is like this is like, you know, a hundred really times well. more than any song you've got. It's like, oh, OK. And then, and then that's, that's another thing when I had Spotify and I looked at, and I probably had Spotify for six or seven years. I I wasn't like an early converter, but I do have it. And, um, and I I was like, oh yeah, I'm not a hipster on Spotify. Let me see. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) almost 2 million plays. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's just because of that. That, band thing, I think, that's yeah. crazy. I'm curious on that, on the game too, because, um, did you like how, when your approach to that song to do the game, was it that, I mean, pretty, pretty rad moment for you guys to be like, Oh, Hey, we want to put your song onto a video game. It, not really. Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was, we were, we didn't really understand. We were, you know, we weren't really paying attention. It was a friend of ours who'd worked for them. And he's like, this is a video. We didn't know like what a video game where you pretend to play music. Play guitar, and, sure. And we're like, sure. Great. And I, yeah, I don't even think there was like a big license. It was like, well, we, we can't really, we could pay you maybe a little bit of money, but it's uh, we're like, great. Whatever. <laughs> Cause they, we weren't. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No. I was just going to say, we weren't used to, you know, having anybody reach out at that point, reaching outside from you know other places to um to want yeah. to, we were pretty insulated at that time insular okay. in our own world you know? sure. we wanted it but we we were at that point we were like our own in our own zone sure sure yeah. well i'm interested because um i remember rock band i think it maybe was the second one uh like all the songs were they were the songs but they were all covers because they i don't think they could spend the money to license all the songs i'm curious yeah. if they use your real the real version of that song yeah. on the yeah game. yeah they they use the real version of that and they used a couple i think red tandy was on there grizzly bear uh time six nine of the grizzly bear white falcon fuzz maybe they like after that they added up they were add-ons okay but the, that one was that one came with rock band Wow. And I remember going down to my uh, in-laws actually um, in, in Arcadia in, in LA area mm-hmm. and to visit them. And one of my wife's younger cousins had gotten rock man and she was playing drums to our song. Oh, yeah. and she was, she could do really well on it. Like <laughs> play it. And, and all her family members were around like, yeah, play, you know, and I was like, I don't know how to play it. And they give me this little guitar and I'm <laughs> trying to do buttons. it. And it's just fail, fail, <laughs> fail. And they're like, you're not a, like, <laughs> we thought <laughs> you could play guitar. Band. Yeah, <laughs> That's hilarious. I only asked because uh, I met when I was living in San Francisco, I knew a guy that was, he was a vocalist for, it might've been guitar hero. I'm thinking, maybe I'm thinking guitar hero, mm-hmm. uh, not rock band, but he sang like the Danzig. He sang like mother on the, on the uh, video game. Like, so he yeah. was one of the hired like singers or, or musicians. Cause they didn't have, they didn't want to license like the song from Danzig. It may be a cost a fortune where they could do a cover of it and get it for a third of the price. I, I don't know the, like, you know, licensing logistics behind it, but he was like a guy that sang some of the songs on the video game, 
like mimicking, yeah. trying to mimic. Sure. But that's cool that they actually put the real song on there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's okay. So then, well, the, you said Camera put out um, the next record too, Pacific Dust. And then when you guys mm-hmm. put out Behind, uh, Behind Beyond, that was on your own label. That was on back to uh, Mother Hips Records, which I, I basically put that out as as like the the label. And it went, and I was talking to John Salter a lot. He was like, he, he'd become general manager at ATO and, you know, he tried to take us along and it didn't work out. And, um, but he, he knew all the stuff. So I was talking to him about how to actually, how to do it. What do you, what are the steps to, to, you know, all the manufacturing and what I needed to do. So, um, that was that, that was, uh, behind beyond. Yeah, and that was recorded. It, also, Pacific Dust. We we uh, DSB. David Simon Baker was a producer on that and on um, um, Behind Beyond. Well, there's like a four year gap in between the two records. Were you guys still touring? I mean, doing those that amount of touring throughout it's between after. Pacific Dust and Behind Beyond, or just I mean, just in general, like when Probably, when you yeah. came back from the hiatus, were you was it like okay, we're gonna put the record out and just go hit the road again? No, when we, I mean, when we came back from the hiatus, we, we kind of crept back in because we were like, well, you know, well, uh, the guy who was kind of our friend who was sort of managing us at the the time where he was actually wasn't, but he was a big fan and he had been working at Future Farmer when we were in the hiatus, he kept saying like, why don't we, why don't you go do like three or four nights at Slim's in San Francisco or Mm -hmm. go down to the belly up and do a few nights down there and you guys can make some, he wanted us to play. He he was a big fan and he was upset that we stopped playing. <clears throat> and finally, I think, you know, we were all just scrambling, doing random things, different gigs. And I had a young kid at home. And finally, like a year later, we're like that could be cool. <laughs> could use some, <laughs> some money and it would be fun to play. So we, it was the hiatus was only about a year long. Um, and at that, and so that was 2000 in 2004, we had come back and started playing. And we probably did 10 or 11 shows that year. And then we're like, the, the motto was, we just keep it groovy. We don't have to, the shows, if we don't want to play the show, we don't have to play the show. But before uh-huh. the pressure was, someone said you had to play, oh, we got to do it. And right. we didn't even know why we were doing things anymore. We were just doing it because someone, our agent told us to, and that, you know, and, oh, and you, you play with this and that, you know, all these things, you know, you have this band coming open for you on the West coast and, and then they'll, you know, you can go play. And of course you have that band come and play and it wasn't the band's fault, but the East coast tour never happened. Yeah. All this, just oh, okay. or whatever, you know, all these all these promises. And that was a big part of why I was like, Ugh, you know, so we came back, we're like, we're just going to really do it our own, uh-huh. own way, you know? And so it took a while. So by, by the time 2006, 2007 came up, we were now up to back up to like 40, 50 shows a year. Okay. And then it kind of, kind of by Pacific dust that time, we'd actually were playing probably closer to 60, 70, getting up into the hundred, hundred show a year again. Wow. Uh, maybe not, you know, maybe not a hundred, but you know, somewhere 60, 60, 70. And then uh, Paul Hoagland, who'd been in the band all that time, uh, we, had, we had to let him go. And, um, and then the touring sort of got a little more sporadic again. Um, okay. And the albums, it was just really hard because we were, we were either playing. Uh-huh. I had a family. John now has a family with his, you know, at that, this point, the other bass player we had was, he was pretty, uh, Scott Tunis, who's from Frank Zappa's band. He was good to go at any time. Um, monster musician and, and was a friend of mine. Our kids went to school together. Oh, that's um, amazing. And Tim, Tim was playing with his then wife's band, Nikki Bloom and the Gramblers. So he, there was no time, like there was no time to be in the studio at all. Uh-huh. Anytime, even when Paul was still in the band, Paul had a, like, it was, we'd tour and then we'd try, like, it, we had to get the money to record and we had to find the time. So it would usually go like, okay, we're going in and we can do four days. So in four days, we'd track, do basic tracks for like three songs or four songs and do a little bit of overdubbing. And then we'd get back in six months later to do another, you know. Mm-hmm. So we were p- p- that during that time, the, the record gaps were mainly because of our scheduling and that we were not um, able to really piece it together to get 
chunks yeah, of time. There was uh, not time just financially; it was also just mainly ske- scheduling was really hard to do. Mm-hmm. So. And- so, so yeah, and did you do was the uh, Chronicle Man also another record you put out on your your guys' own? Yeah, okay. we put that out, but that that's all um, outtake stuff from oh like B side part timer, yeah, part timer, um, shootout, and I think in between like later days and green, you know, there's some just stuff that wasn't gonna wasn't recorded for those albums necessarily, but during that time at other re- recording sessions. So that's a, a compilation. <laughs> There's a larger compilation that's not coming out in the, in the 30 year package, which our friend Dave Schwartz put together, which is called Days of Sun and Grass, which is a four CD um, collection of, I mean, demos from Tim and I's dorm room. Wow. All the way th- and all this weird live stuff. That's a pretty cool one. That's, that's a, and there's interviews from Chico state and stuff. That's amazing. Um, but Chronicle man was the, came out like a year after, um, behind beyond, but it was all it was, was some remixed, um, uh, outtakes. Old stuff. What are you going to mm-hmm. put that one out on vinyl? Just curious. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was out on vinyl then. And okay. it's part of the, it's part the of the part reissue. of the 30. Okay. Yeah. And then what about in chorus as well? Chorus is part of that. And that's the first record we did with, with um, Blue Rose. And so, and we recorded that at 25th street in Oakland with Carl Durfler being the producer. And, um, and that was actually one of the first times we went and had like, okay, we're in the studio for two weeks and then we're going to finish overdubs. And then like that record got done pretty quick. It still, you know, still probably took close to a year for it to come out, but that was, that was fast compared to how we were, been doing things um, oh okay yeah and then you guys did a live record too from san francisco right live in the we great did. american music hall which is a yep. dope venue i love yeah. going there for shows oh yeah we've been playing there we've been doing a, a a christmas holiday show there for over 25 years 26 years wow is that every, what the- every year hips hipsmiths Oh, that's so cool. And are you, did you do, is that from that? Was that, would that be the recording? Yeah. It was from 2017. Okay. Yeah. From uh, the, yeah, it was from hip Smith's 2017 and it's, I think it's a three CD. We we didn't put it on vinyl and that's not going to be part of the um, 30 year. Just so it's going to, is it going to end with chorus? It's going to end with a record that we're just, we just finished up. So it's going to end with a brand, it's going to end with a brand new album. Tim and I I, just delivered that to mastering yesterday. So hopefully. Really? Because I know that you guys had a song called Bound to to Fall, right? That's the newest song. Bound to Fall is a solo. um, uh, It's a song that I released on my own. So, well, actually, it's a duet with my friend, Jamie Drake. We wrote the song together. And so um, this this year, well, starting in, in December of last year, uh-huh. um, I had a, a bunch of songs that I recorded last summer in a studio um, in Oakland, and I've been the label's been releasing them as singles. So I've had uh, "Bound to Fall" was my second one. I have another single coming out next month, and I'll have one coming out in June. And rather, I put in a full length album under my name last year, uh-huh. um, but rather than doing a full new album this year because the songs were so disparate, they're kind of different sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came, they were definitely from this like lockdown, like being in listening to certain music and then sort of getting influ- influenced by it, by this very, again, once again, very insular kind of thing. Sure. Um, and because there's 11 mother hips records coming out this year with the label. And I were like, <laughs> let's just put out some singles instead right. of like a whole other record. There's a ton of content. I actually hit that word. So there's a ton of music coming from, um, I, I, I don't like that word in, in this context. Um, uh, there's a ton of music coming out in mother hips land. Yes. So I figured putting some singles out, letting people know that I'm still, working as a solo artist and I've been producing some music too, um, is a good way to go. And I'll probably put on another solo album, you know, at the end of next year, beginning of beginning of next year, probably. Oh, amazing. Well, I'm, I'm curious yeah. now talking about the, um, the, the Christmas show you guys do is the last one, the 2019 was December. It, uh, it, 
in person yeah so we did a, we went into the great american music hall and did a live stream from it in oh, 2020 that's yeah, amazing so, so all the fans gathered and and on their screens and watched us but we set up and played live in the room wow that, so, that must have been a weird experience it was very weird because it's usually <laughs> packed to the gills and sweat and smoke and everybody i mean this is like sure. everybody gathers that that and and the hypnic which is a, our festival that we do with Folkia down in Big Sur in May. Uh Um, Those are the two points where all the hardcore fans get together and, and hang out. And so it was, it was a big, you know, just like everybody else, lots of, lots of letdowns. Um, But to be able to actually go in there and play the show, everybody could watch it from their house. And, and, you know, with the way that the, the, most of the streaming, capabilities you know everybody's chatting with with each other and having side conversations and Mm -hmm. so you know you make the best of it yeah definitely i mean where where were you guys at uh, with the band as far as this the new record when covid hit had you even started it yet or no where where were you when that all happened i was just you know we we had a bunch of shows on on the bill Mm -hmm. on the on the docket um my i had just finished up um, and was waiting for the manufacturing of my second solo album, which is called okay. Mystic Traces, which came out in May, which I was mm-hmm. planning on touring, you know, not massively, but doing some shows and supporting sure. that in between. Tim and I try to balance out, you know, find gaps between Mother Hips touring for our solo stuff solo or stuff. duo stuff that we do together. Um, yeah, so I was there and Tim, Tim had... Tim was working on a Mother Hip uh, on a Merle Haggard covered out al- cover album. Oh, that's cool. Um, he did a bunch of covers called uh, the record's called Hag Heaven. It just came out. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. And um, so we were kind of, you know, then I, I we we weren't really thinking too much about anything. We we're just mm-hmm. trying to figure out what was going on but i think again joe came up to us from the label the owner of the label and he's like it's time to make a new record like what do you guys got and we were kind of okay and i think we met a couple times this is maybe end of the summer or the fall and then he was smart because he finally said you guys are going to the studio in february you better have your stuff together and so, and that was in like November and we're like, Oh yeah, we have songs. Let's go home and write them. <laughs> right. But they're in here still. Yeah. And so, but that was great. Cause that really got us, you know, you have a deadline. It puts a fire under your feet and Tim and I were spending a lot. We had already actually been spending more time together. Um, not in person, but we would never talk on the phone. It was usually an email or I'll see you at the airport or whatever sure. it is. And during quarantine and all the, with all the sort of intensity of that, we were talking on the phone every day, which is, I don't know if we'd ever done that. Um, and so by the time we started making some time to collaborate, um, it was great, you know, and I think this is probably the most collaborative album. Certain albums are definitely like, Oh, here's a Tim song. Here's a Greg song. And mm-hmm. then you hear, you know, Tim, Tim puts his, his, we all, 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 all the band members do, you know, have their sort of imprint on the songs or we talk about them in this, in the recording session. Uh, what if this part goes twice as long and arrangements and, and all that. But, um, you know, there's definitely times where it's like, here are my demos. Cool. We like this one, that one, that, and here's Tim's and we throw them all together and see which one, how it all works out. But uh-huh. this is definitely more of probably more of a collaborative process, um, than that's happened in a long time. So that's nice. Were you able to write in the studio together or was it kind of like this? Or no, no, no. We, back and forth. No, we were, I'd go over to his house. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause this is in November and, and we were some of the work that I do um, besides being a musician, I was getting tested regularly and so was Tim. Um, so we were just pretty safe you know, and everything. Go, else. Yeah. So go you up could, in, you're able yeah, to good. get together, so to speak. Yeah, we get together in person and um, sit down on his porch or sit out somewhere and, and write. We, there's some good hiking trails, actually. So a lot of a lot of the times we were just hiking. <laughs> we're, we'd come back, we're like, man, we didn't write any songs. <laughs> but we were talking about it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Does that count? 
Yeah. Right. Anyway, we ended up coming up with 13 songs to, to that we finished and we just turned into mastering yesterday and the song, the album will probably have, because it's vinyl, we can only put so many songs on, uh, it'll probably be 11 song new record. It's amazing. And then that's going to yeah. come out as like what the final piece yeah. of the 30 year yeah. collaboration of records. Yeah. And the idea is that, you know, one album's basically coming out per per month and then there's 10 albums. So the 11th album will be right around Hipsmas time, right around the end of the year. So we'll have it, um, phys- physical copies of it for the um, end of the year for Christmas. Um, Hopefully by then you can do one, uh, you know, in person. That's the plan. That's, yeah. you know, we hope so. Or if you some version of it in person, even if it's, uh, I've, we've done some uh, socially distanced shows and a variety of um, outdoor shows. That's amazing. That's, well, I, I hope, hopefully, yeah, that this all kind of comes to a close. It looks like San Francisco is opening for Outside Land. So, I mean, that's yeah. kind of a... <laughs> that's a big deal, yeah. <laughs> that is, I mean, that's what, 100,000 people so are close yeah. to it. So that's kind of, pro- I'm sure, pretty promising for, for, for Hipsmiths, I would yeah, hope. For sure. But, um, well, thank you so much, man, for, for taking time and, and chatting with me today, Greg. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, I, I appreciate you taking the time as well. And, and it's fun to talk about this stuff. Um, you know, there's through the process of doing some interviews and, um, and then listening because we get the test presses, presses oh. for each album and we were getting bombarded and the label was just on it, which is great. And that's what you want, you know? And it was like, here's another one. You need to listen to this by this day and we need, you know, and you have to do it, you know? Um, cause you don't want it to be sound like crap. And, right. And so listening to those, especially the, you know, the first three, which I haven't listened to very much in a long time. That was, okay. I, actually, I think it was kind of a good thing for Tim and I to be doing before we, um, wrote the next started record. writing the next record. It informed yeah. like, Oh, remember we, th- these things, like how could we incorporate some of these things that were, that we really liked. And I think that really were, um, that, that, the, the listeners really liked and, and were, you know, it was, it was a cool uh, way to reflect on, on what we'd done and, and what, what we want to do this time around. So. Yeah, that's fascinating. I was going to ask if you could, you answered it in, in your response, but I was just curious if you've, you had even listened to any of those records fully through and the past, like recently yeah. enough, I mean, that must've been pretty wild to hear those old recordings, you know, since 30 years down the line. Yeah, that the only times I'd really put any of that music on is when we'd have we'd have we had several bass players like over the you know we had Paul again who was not started not being in the band in 2011. So when Scott was in the band, um, I, we had to listen to those songs to remember how they went. <laughs> sure. And then and um, or at least we were supposed to listen to the songs to see how they went. <laughs> that wasn't always the case. And then the new bass then, player would have to listen to the songs to see how yeah, they went. <laughs> but we needed to know how they went because we didn't, <laughs> you know, Paul, that was one of the things about Paul being in the band when he joined, you know, he joined after the band had been in, together for eight or nine years. And he would be like, remember this song? We're like, no. He's like, well, you played this chord. He, you know, he, he has, it's all yeah. here. It's all like you know, right. these guys where all the music and sound is right in front of them. And, you know, he'd be showing us chords because we're back then certainly back then we didn't you know i know a lot more about music you know technically and and theoretically than i did back then but we would just (laughs) like this chord sounds good like right (laughs) couldn't remember it the other reminds me the other day we were in this when we were making this new record and tim had come up with a chord shape and He's like, I'm never going to remember this. And I'm like, well, this is, it's this chord, you know? And he's like, that doesn't do me any good. And I'm like, took a picture of it. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, you could probably just take a picture with your phone I, now. <laughs> I just take a picture of it. I'm like, here, you'll never forget it now. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Greg, again, thank you so much, man. I, I have one more question for you. Uh, with the, the 30 years of experience you've had on the road and in, in this industry and everything, do you have any advice for aspiring artists? Mm. man, I could go so many ways. So my, my first reaction was a sort of sarcastic thing, but I'm going to go with 
you just, it sounds as cheesy as it sounds. You got to do, you got to follow your heart. You know, you really do. You got to listen to that part inside the part that, that connects you to the music when you, when you hear a song or when you write a song and it resonates and it feels really good. You got to listen to that part. So many, so much chatter outside to get distracted by and you're going to get, and you're going to get distracted by it and you're going to go down some paths that might not be the ones, you know, was the the right choice. You got to just let that go off and go back to like, what's in here. Cool. This is, it, this is, uh, you know, this is what's in my, in my heart. And, and that's, that's always the place to get back to.